Hey, welcome back to Well That's Interesting, the Oh, What a Pleasant Surprise edition. <laughs> Today's episode 131, Jurassic Era Bug, found out of Walmart, mm-hmm. and Ancient Egyptians wore tramp stamps for protection. Yeah, my friends, this is going to be one of those days where you stop, pause, and say to yourself, oh, the world really is just a magical fucking place. <laughs> In the first half of the show, we answer the question, when an entomologist, or someone who studies bugs for a living, just goes out to buy some milk, what could possibly happen? Well, for one man, running a simple chore at a local megamart may have uncovered a hidden population of a large Jurassic-era insect not seen in decades and thought to be extinct. We're going to retrace his steps and relive the story of how he and a bunch of students discovered a bug. A bug unlike any other. And my friends, this was years in the making as well, and you won't believe this story. Then after the break, proof that tramp stamps are sacred. I have one, I'm not gonna lie, it happened. Um, and for, for a number of women in ancient Egypt, it turns out they got one too, but for vastly, vastly different reasons, I may add. Um, a recent study consisting of scans of mummified bodies revealed tattoos that held extremely important significance. We're going to break down where they were located on the body and what these tattoos possibly meant. And I will not be going into, too, into detail about mine. Uh, I'm Jill Chacha, and <laughs> if this is your first time listening, welcome to the flock, you tramp-stamped business goose. I think we should just dive right the fuck in. What do you say? Fabulous. Okay, well, strap into your time machine because we're going way the fuck back several lifetimes to 2012. I know. The world is barely recognizable. But here we are, in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Now, for my fellow geographically challenged Americans and international listeners, you may be wondering where this is. Don't worry, I've got you. Let's start by imagining Texas. Unfortunately, there it is. Now, to the immediate right is Louisiana, and just above Louisiana is Arkansas. And Fayetteville is a teeny speck of a place in the top left corner of the state, just about 56 square miles. It's so tiny, making this discovery all the more spectacular. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, one fine day, the then assistant research professor and now director of Penn State's Insect Identification Lab and doctor, ooh la la, congrats, Michael Skvarla. Uh, Michael was just being a normal human being in the world, kind of, quote, I remember it vividly because I was walking into Walmart to get milk and I saw this huge insect on the side of the building. I thought it looked interesting, so I put it in my hand and did the rest of my shopping with it between my fingers. <laughs> I got home, mounted it, and promptly forgot about it for almost a decade. He told PSU.edu. Now, what Michael thought he grabbed was something called an antlion which, of course, is neither an ant nor a lion, but they truly resemble dragonflies. And no, they're not that at all either. Uh, they're their own species of insect whose larvae are somehow adorable yet don't fuck around. Um, according to our non-buggy friend Wikipedia, get this, antlions are known for the predatory habits of their larvae, which mostly dig pits to trap passing ants or other prey." End quote. And you thought human kids were cruel. No, no, antlion babies. They're, they're, they're cruel. And they make up for this brutality with this 
cute fact. It's really cute. Brace yourself. In North America, the larvae are sometimes referred to as doodlebugs because of the marks they leave in the sand. So please head on over to our social media stuffs and just take a look. Um, I've got a photo of a doodlebug on its merry way under the sand in the Grand Canyon. I I'm going to give you a second to pull this up because it is so, so worth it. Yep, there you go. That's, there's not one straight line <laughs> in this picture. And I think you could agree. Just judging by the trail left by this particular doodlebug, I think it's fucking wasted. I mean, it's just countless swirls. And it's just, I, you know, I'm not judging. I'm not judging. I found myself walking in a series of loops just like this many times before. So I actually, I identify with this doodle. Well done. Well done, doodle. Well, let's get back to Michael. Michael, who plucked this supposed antlion dragonfly looking thing off the facade of a Walmart and added it to his personal bug collection. And that was in 2012, my friends. Now we must relive the horrors of 2020. I know, I'm sorry. Back in this ungodly time, the now Professor Skvarla was teaching the class Entomology 432, Insect Biodiversity and Evolution at Penn State. How adorably nerdy. He, like so many teachers, taught the lab course over Zoom, with stressed out, isolated students following along as best they could remotely using loner microscopes. And thanks to this situation, Michael had to use his own personal insect collection, collection as specimen samples because he couldn't access the school's facilities. So on this day, eight years after that milky shopping spree, the class topic, my friends, was antlions. And wouldn't you know it, Mike had one right here at home and thought, you know what, let's just pull it out for all the students to see. <laughs> Sorry, I wrote that. Well... There was one problem that became super clear pretty quickly. But don't take my word for it. Let's hear it from Michael directly in an interview with NPR back in early March. I'm going to play that right now. Predator. I had just taught the students, like, these are the characters you use to identify antlions. They have clubbed antennae. They have lots of cross veins in the wings. And I pulled this specimen out and I show it to them. It was immediately apparent to me and everybody watching that... Oh shoot, this is different and weird in a good way. And this kind of dawning realization like, oh, this is important. There you go. My friends, this bug is dragonfly-like, but like Michael said, there's no clubbed antenna to be seen and its wings. Well, come on by our social media stuffs and take a peek. Yeah, they are delicate, a mere two inches across. And if you think their wing pattern resembles lace, you're damn right. You weren't the only one who noticed. The students got pretty goddamn excited to see their professor fuck up and correct himself in real time. And I say that in the most loving way possible. Quote, we were watching what Dr. Skvarla saw under his microscope and he's talking about the features and then just kind of stops. Cody Mathis, a doctoral candidate in entomology at Penn State, told PSU.edu. We all realized together that the insect was not what it was labeled and was in fact a super rare giant lacewing. I still remember the feeling. It was so gratifying to know that the excitement doesn't dim. The wonder isn't lost. Here we are making a true discovery in the middle of an online lab course. End quote. Now, my friends, in this day and age, a mere visual identification does not a lacewing make. 
you need something a little more. And that would be DNA verification. So Skvarla and his buggy colleagues ran some tests and holy shit, yes, this is a giant lacewing. Or polystoechotes punctata. Fucking nailed it. And you may be thinking, who gives a fuck? Who gives a fuck? Why is this such a big deal? Well, great question. For starters, uh, for starters, this thing has barely changed since the Jurassic era. Seeing this bug is like time traveling, but for real. And two, they just seemingly disappeared from Eastern North America sometime in the 1950s. And three, prior to being seen for what was thought to be the last time in the 1950s, it was only spotted once before in 1924. So needless to say, this discovery or recovery of the giant lacewing raises a shit ton of questions like, why aren't there more sightings? Was this just a fluke? Maybe they really are flying back and forth through the fabric of time. Maybe. Well, let's start with reasons why they may be so hard to find to begin with. As so wonderfully reported by Emily Schmall of the New York Times, quote, Dr. Svarla and a co-author, J. Ray Fisher of Mississippi State University, speculated that the insect could have disappeared with growing light population, too little fire smoke, which, historically, which historical records suggest they like, and the introduction of non-native predators to the region. Northwestern Arkansas, where the Walmart is located, falls within the Ozark Mountains, an understudied biodiversity hotspot. While it is possible that the lacewing he found hitched a ride on a long-haul truck or hid in a rail freight with goods bound for his local Walmart, his favorite hypothesis is that the insect belonged to a relic population that has quietly persisted, evading detection over the past half century, just waiting to be found. End quote. Well, goddamn. I certainly hope that that's the case. Um, having a hidden species in the Ozarks, possibly hanging out with some cryptid friends, <laughs> that would be spectacular. Uh, and the only way to know if this is the case is to keep heading back to the original scene of the recovery. And indeed, Michael has gone back to the same Walmart, but alas, has not seen any giant lace wings. But, but, big but here. <laughs> On that day in 2012, turns out Michael was shopping at night and the lace wing was found on the side of a very well-lit Walmart, suggesting that it was likely attracted to those lights and may have flown just a few hundred meters from where it called home. This fact made Robert Dole, a fellow entomologist at the California Academy of Sciences, believe, quote, that there are likely other small populations of the insect, of the insect holding on in wooded areas in the east, end quote, he told the New York Times. So, no pun intended, but this lacewing has caused a buzz. I know, I know, don't hate me. My friends, Despite millions of years since the Jurassic era, the increasing amount of artificial light and pollution from urbanization and humanity's introduction of invasive species, this two-inch little fucker is probably still out there, showing us how resilient nature can be. And God knows what else is in them Ozarks. After the break, ah, the majesty, the majesty of the tramp stamp, my friends, this tattoo has been around for millennia. And for some, it meant the difference between life and death. I'm not fucking around. We're going to get into it. So please, stay tuned. I'm Jane Perlez. 
longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for the New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-off launches April 9th. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, Jill Chacha here from Well That's Interesting, and I am absolutely thrilled to tell you about Spotify for Podcasters. I use it, I love it, and it all started by downloading the free Spotify for Podcasters app, which has all the tools you need in one place to record and edit your masterpiece of a podcast. Spotify for Podcasters also distributes your show to all major platforms. So when you hit publish, your episodes will stream not only on Spotify, but I'm talking about the Apples, the Googles, Stitcher, Good Pods, the other ones. <laughs> you get the idea. And you can monetize your podcast with no minimum listenership required. You could also set up monthly subscriptions and record ads just like this one. So what are you waiting for? Download Spotify for Podcasters today and start changing the world. Oh, and please, stay interesting. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2, now streaming only on Hulu. Look at us, all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! 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 That's now streaming. Dad! He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Who does that? Vacation Friends 2, rated R, now streaming only on Hulu. And we're back. We are so back. And my friends, I hate to do this, but we gotta dive into some bad news first. I know. I know. You just want to hear about the glory that is the tramp stamp and how it may have played a significant role for the people of ancient Egypt. But we need a little context first. Just a little bit of perspective. First, I'm going to tell you how goddamn dangerous it is to give birth. It was life-threatening thousands of years ago, and it is still one of the deadliest things a human body can undergo. My friends, a 2013 Slate article by Laura Helmuth reported that, at the time, in the United States, about 15 women died in pregnancy or childbirth per 100,000 live births. 15. Now that's bad. Kind of bad. Now, I have an updated number for you, but before I reveal it, I'd like for you to pick a number between zero and 100. I'd like for you to guess how many people 
in the United States who can give birth die per 100,000 live births as of 2020? Go ahead, pick a number. Is that your final answer? Fantastic. My friends, according to tcf.org, in 2020, the U.S. maternal mortality rate was 23.8 deaths per 100,000 live births. That's right. It went up over those seven years to nearly 24. Now that's depressing and embarrassing for this day and age, and maybe surprising or not so surprising if you're from the States, I'm sure. Uh, The only solace I can bring you is to compare this number to the past. According to Slate, quote, a century ago, the number was more than 600 women per 100,000 births. In the 1600s and 1700s, the death rate was twice that. By some estimates, between one and one and a half percent of women giving birth died. Note that that rate is per birth, so the lifetime risk of dying in childbirth was much higher, perhaps 4%. End quote. Four goddamn percent. And I know this is some heavy shit, but we're almost through. The tramp stamps are on the horizon of the lower back, so please just stick with me. I just have to tell you the exact cause of these deaths. You should know it's important. Uh, Anthropologist Holly Dunsworth and her colleagues believe humans pop out offspring at nine months because, quote, it would take too much energy to feed a fetus for any longer. This is the metabolic hypothesis, and it's based on the finding that the maximum metabolic rate people can sustain is about two or two and a half times their standard rate of using energy. During the third trimester, that's exactly how much metabolic activity the pregnancy demands. Carrying a fetus for those few final months is like being an incredibly good athlete. End quote. From Laura Helmuth of Slate. Now, I just want to make a side note here. That's like being an incredibly good athlete 24-7. So, my friends, if you survive that metabolic drainage, there's the actual birth and the dangers that comes with. That it comes with. (laughs) Sorry. Quote, by the late stages of pregnancy and during childbirth, almost anything can go wrong. Pregnant women are sapped of energy. They are susceptible to infectious disease. The baby's head is enormous. (laughs) Labor takes much longer in humans than any other primate. Women often push for days. Historically, women died of purpural fever, also called childbed fever, or postpartum sepsis, an infection usually contracted during childbirth. There's hemorrhage or eclampsia, which is dangerously high blood pressure or organ damage. That's what killed Sybil on Downton Abbey. And they also face obstructed labor, end quote, from Laura Helmuth. That's a hell of a list. And needless to say, if you weren't living in 2023, or if you're living in the United States, you're going to need some major protection. So here's one example of that. My friends, let's head on over to a magical place called Deir el Medina, in Upper Egypt. This is an ancient Egyptian archeological site unlike any other. It contains no kings, no queens, no pharaohs, no royals. It is the resting place of the workers and artisans who built the nearby Valley of the Kings. It's filled with the everyday people of this time period and this place is one of the few that shows us what life was like for them. And thanks to the recent work of archeologist Anne Austin and Marie-Liz Arnett, we now know Get this, some women of ancient Egypt had lower back tattoos that worked as incantations to protect them from the dangers of childbirth. Let's get into it. 
My friends, hop on over to our social media stuffs and tap on this episode's post. Keep on swiping until you come to a series of recreated tattoos and photos of actual marked skin. Whoa. There you will see the reconstruction of tramp stamps found on two women, which the archaeologists painstakingly scanned. Also in this burial ground, uh, female figurines were discovered, and they too had similar markings. So what the fuck does it mean? Quote, Our most recent discoveries of tattoos and figurines and mummified remains all connect to symbols and gods related to protection of mothers, children, and childbirth. Austin explained to IFL Science. So one possibility is these tattoos could have served as protection before, during, or after childbirth. End quote. Yeah, my friends, check it out. Especially the photo of the left hip bone. Go take a look. It's clear as day there's a tattoo present. present. <laughs> I'm so excited, can't even talk. And it gets better. Just like present day, not all tramp stamps were the same. Each was like a beautiful snowflake. <laughs> Austin went on to say, quote, We have found so much variation in the tattoos themselves. Even if we find the same design, it does not always appear on the same place in the body. End quote. Now, she was referring to not only the designs located on the old lower back, but some were also found on the inner thighs. So, I know what you're thinking. How come we're just learning about this awesome shit now? I need to tell everyone I know about how tramp stamps were once spells. Well, I totally agree with you 100%. And Austin, Austin agrees with you too, and she's totally fucking pissed. As she explained to Dr. Katie Spalding of IFL Science, quote, we, have, we only have very limited evidence of tattoos across Pharaonic Egypt. So it doesn't seem like they were common, but we are also just now starting to research tattoos. The more examples of tattooing I find, the more I am struck by how biased our historical records are in telling about daily life. This village is one of the most well-documented sites in ancient Egypt, yet, there, yet, the test, the, yet the texts never mention tattooing." End quote. So my friends, Austin and fellow archaeologists are here to free the lower back tattoo and the inner thigh tattoo and all the goddamn tattoos belonging to the everyday people of ancient Egypt and it's about goddamn time. <laughs> Just think about what this body art can tell us, especially for those who identify as women. As Austin so eloquently told IFL Science, tattooing reveals some of the issues important to women in this village and their roles dealing with these issues. The tattoos give us one way to see that when texts are relatively silent. End quote. Fuck yes, I am here for it. So my friends, stop whatever it is you're doing right now to stop it and go out and get a lower back tattoo. Get that tramp stamp. You never know who's going to find it and how it can change history. So <laughs> thank you for listening, rating, subscribing, telling your friends about tramp stamps and how they were once protection spells and tell them about how there's like Jurassic era bugs at Walmart. They're just hanging around. And please, Stay interesting. <laughs>